Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to tell you about some business ideas that I have that I'm not going to pursue. They're good ideas generally. Some are completely unproven, but as I was looking at what I believe are opportunities, it turns out some of these businesses are already out there, which is kind of good. It proves the market. It proves that other people thought it was a good idea. If they have been in business for a little while, you know it's probably a profitable business. I was inspired to record this episode because of the Tropical MBA podcast. It's a show that I talk about fairly often. I feel like it's one of the most referenced podcast that I talk about just in general. It's a show that I listened to starting in 2013, and I still listen to that show, which is actually really rare. That's the only show that's been consistent over the years. I listed out many of these ideas because I was invited on the show. I was actually invited on the show, one of the shows that got me started. So it was really awesome, really honored to be invited to talk over there. And I thought there may be more of a section of donating a, a business idea, which was kind of a classic episode type that Dan and Ian published. And it was a, a very popular episode from what I understand, uh, episode type. And I I thought I was going to talk a little bit more about those, but it turned out that Dan and I spent a lot more time talking about affiliate marketing, which was perfectly fine. And as a, I would say not lazy, but I'll just use lazy as the most accurate term. I mean, I already came up with these ideas and I thought, well, I don't want to throw these ideas away why don't I just record it for my own podcast? So that's what we're going to do today. Some of them are service-based. Some of them are, you know, sort of different sorts of ideas. And I think one, one little preface that I'll give is some of the ideas are, okay, some of them have already been done. But I think the very interesting part comes in when you combine a couple of these ideas together. And then you end up with something a little more unique, a much different sort of offer. The other similar idea is if you take an idea that's proven in one market and then you move it to a market that has not been exposed to that idea or that system, and it'll become a little more clear as we go through these. Before I get into the meat, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Thanks to Ezoic for sponsoring this episode, especially their new product, Leap. Leap provides everything from optimization features to diagnostics so that websites can pass core web vitals. It was built for publishers, and in fact, it's free to people that monetize with Ezoic. And it allows visitors to load pages instantly using Ezoic Cloud to serve new core web vital friendly ads using lightning fast server side Ezoic edge technology. And basically, Ezoic helps your site load faster and get those green core web vitals. 
And you could also simplify speeding up your site and cut the cost so you can optimize everything from code to content using the features designed to eliminate the need for costly third-party technology and plugins. And basically what happens, and this happened to me, you try to add more and more plugins to optimize to maybe minimize your CSS or minimize your JavaScript or something like that. And you end up with several different plugins and technologies, but basically you can just use Leap. And generally, and this is the stats that Ezoic cites, the average site is able to remove 3.5 optimization features, technologies, or plugins, saving them $250 per year when they're using Leap for free. So thanks a lot to Ezoic and be sure to check out Leap. I'll link up to the Tropical MBA podcast so you can check out the episode that I was on and let's get right into it. So a few of these ideas are just classic ideas that have been done. They've been done and again and again, they've actually been iterated on. They work. They've been taken to different industries. Number one is a content agency. I have seen so many content agencies come and go The thing is, in the last year to year and a half or so, I've seen some companies spring up and they got huge very fast. And part of that is the expertise that they bring in from the system standpoint and the personnel standpoint to actually hire a large number of writers and grow and set up systems and have some repeatability around this. The other area that I see a really great opportunity is specialization. Specialization will command higher rates. And I'm thinking about like software and technology or things that are like niche specific. Fortunately, I have a specific example. I interviewed Carl Hughes. He's the founder over at draft.dev. I interviewed him uh, several weeks ago. And basically... He hires developers that have the ability to write technical marketing content for software startups. Very specific. You can't hire any old joker from Upwork or Fiverr to write that kind of material. The people that read technical marketing content are pretty smart. They know the shit that they're reading about. So you can't really fake your way through it, even with some strong research. So these specialized topics are really ripe for that sort of thing. And I I mentioned software and technology, and that's what Carl works in because that's his background. And you could transfer it over to a niche-specific area, maybe one that's very popular. Maybe it's one where you you see that there are a lot of maybe affiliate marketing sites or a lot of sites that are in need of something more specialized. So for example, let's say you have a blog that is like focused on through hiking. So long distance hiking, like the Pacific Crest Trail or the Appalachian Trail or you know some of the other big ones. I, I don't know too many others. Those are are the ones I hear about. But if you have like an outdoor site and you need someone 
that is specialized in that specific area, it sure would be awesome if you had someone who's actually done those things or planning on doing those things. Quick note that Carl, because he identified a very profitable sub-niche, he hit over a million dollars of revenue in 2021, and that was within 18 months after starting. He didn't just pick it out of a hat. That's his background. He was actually doing some freelance writing on his own and realized that there was quite a need and he would be able to hire some writers to do it. The other area which could be interesting, I don't think the profit margins are nearly as high, but I get questions about AI writing tools all the time, at least twice a week, sometimes more, unfortunately. And I haven't used it very much. I haven't been impressed with the AI writing tools. I don't think they're quite in a usable place yet, but it would be very interesting if you set up a content agency where you're 100% transparent about the fact that you use AI and you can tell them which tools you're using. And you, of course, would need to know how to use the software you potentially could create a course around how to use the software effectively if you wanted to. You could use that course as sort of a free lead magnet, show people, hey, you could do it yourself. Here's exactly how to do it. Or if you want to hire me and my company, then we could do it for you. So you could use uh, the course as sort of free material to bring in leads, or you could actually charge for the course. Now, the funny thing is right after I wrote this idea down within like a week or so. I got an email from John Haver over at Authority Website Income. I think that's still the name of the site. I feel like maybe it changed, but anyway, it sounded like he had a service around AI writing tools. Now, all these ideas that I'm telling you, I'm not going to do any of them. Um, too busy, too lazy, I don't have the drive to go approach these. I don't I don't have any desire to do any of these. But my observation with some of the services um, that would potentially be out there for the AI writing tools is the margin's just too low for anything I would even consider working in. So Carl, he went after software startups who probably have VC backing and a lot of money and they see the value of technical marketing material. So they would spend some money on it. The AI writing tools that are potentially targeting affiliate marketers or maybe beginner bloggers, they don't have the money to spend. And if you are paying for one of the AI writing tools and you have maybe a little bit of admin work, a little bit of editing that needs to be done, that, that really thins the margin. And I don't really want to work personally in anything with thin margins. And, you know, that that is my observation. I don't even know how much John is charging it with his service or anything like that. And then the other part is, you know, John aside and Carl aside, I have seen services pop up where I think to myself, that margin's so fucking small. Why are they even spending their time on that? They could work on something with pretty much the same effort and earn a lot more and probably have better clients because they, they're paying more. Clients that pay more usually are easier to work with 
better to work with. They respect your time a little bit more. There's a lot of opportunity in the content world. So I would take a look at that, especially if you have the ability to hire writers and manage a team, maybe set up a couple editors and and that sort of thing. Just kind of have a few moving pieces in there and some nice systems. Next one is outreach and link building. Again, this is the tried and true classic ideas that have been done and they work pretty well. And people know, generally, bloggers know that if they want to get organic SEO, they probably need some backlinks. A lot of times people just don't know where to get the links. And I struggle sometimes, you know, where I recommend people go. And, you know, the hard part is, you know, I want to be, I want to be non, non-biased, unbiased. <laughs> I want to be, I want to give, give the straight information, but it's really hard because either I'm an affiliate or a company might be an advertiser. So it's hard for me to be completely, there's a word that, that is, um, that should be used here, but I just can't think of it. So I, I want to provide good information and good recommendations. However, if I'm getting money in some capacity, people may question it. You know, the the companies that I do work with, I tend to like them quite a bit. If I talk about companies and it's not wrapped around, you know, ad read, and I talk about them fairly often, that, that could be a good sign. Now, the other part is I've tried to just not mention too many companies just in general. And sometimes when I have a, a guest on, I'll just say, you know, don't specifically say the company unless we talk about it ahead of time. So just keep an eye out for that kind of stuff. Uh, all that to say, when people ask me where they should get links from, sometimes I, I just don't know what to tell them. Because even if I have gotten a few sample links from a company and, and paid money to get you know, no special treatment, if I, I paid for the links just to see what I would get delivered as a regular customer, I'm not sure, right? I only have one little data point and it's really hard to tell if those links are good or, or bad. Sometimes you have to get links for a pretty long period of time before it, it can really do anything. And usually... If I'm working on a site, I'm doing many other things like publishing more content, internally linking. I'm constantly trying to improve it. So if I just get backlinks, two or three of them, for example, it could be really hard to tell if those did anything. Virtually impossible. And there are tons of companies out there. And the fact is, even if you do a really bad job at actually helping your clients rank and get traffic you can still run a very profitable business. It's disappointing, but it's 100% true. And I have, I have worked with some companies where you know, they did advertise. I tested out some of their links. They were pretty good. And then I tested them out again later and they weren't that great. And I checked with some you know, trusted friends of mine to see what they thought of their links that were delivered and they weren't that impressed either. So I stopped working with some companies and, and that also goes for the content companies as well. That said, you could probably set up an outreach and link building company and do pretty good just through cold outreach and building relationships. I hope if you would 
take this route, you know, you would try to do your best to help your clients out and not just resell links from somewhere else or go hire people on Fiverr and just kind of white label the work that you're doing. I hope you wouldn't try and do that. And the thing is, what you want is repeat customers. You want long-term customers. You don't want to have to find new clients because you're churning through them every single month. So one spin on this that could work really well is Haro link building. And I wrote about Haro link building in this business idea in late 2020. And I proclaimed on, on a blog post that I thought it potentially could be a six-figure business in a very short amount of time, six figures of revenue in a year. And I I think that is very possible. Now, a few businesses did pop up doing just that. Generally, Haro link building, that's help a reporter out, is a proven business model. PR companies do that kind of outreach and they have been for a while. And there are companies focusing solely on Haro link building. And it's been a little while since I checked, but they were charging about $400 a link. And if you're completely unfamiliar with Help a Reporter Out, Haro, it's a platform that does connect journalists and writers with sources that they can use in their articles. So you get emails each day or you could work within the platform and those emails or the request on the platform will have journalists looking for sources. You respond and if you're selected, you get referenced usually with a backlink. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, Niche Website Builders. And I'm pumped to bring these guys back onto the team here. So Adam Smith and Mark Mars have been on the show a few times. They're great guys. And they've put together a fantastic agency. In fact, it ties together really well with some of the services and business ideas that I've talked about. Because Niche Website Builders can write content for you. They can do FAQ content. They could do affiliate content. They actually will build a done-for-you site as well. And one of their most fantastic offerings is around link building. And they ran a shotgun skyscraper campaign for me for several months. I ended up with about 100 or so backlinks. They wrote the shotgun skyscraper piece of content and sent out all the emails, managed the whole thing for me. And my site was brand new. And by the time they finished, my domain rating as reported by Ahrefs was about 49, I think. Pretty fantastic. And another new offering that they have is around Haro link building, which we just talked about. So definitely worth taking a look at. If you follow my link, you can get some great coupon codes. I believe it's 10% off. Or if you order content, you get an additional 10% of content. So definitely check it out. Uh, As an affiliate, I would get a commission, which I greatly appreciate. And like I said, I'm pumped to be working with niche website builders again. And a little sneak peek, we're going to be working on kind of a cool uh, project together. So more to come on that. I'm just going to leave it as a teaser and I won't mention too much else, but certainly uh, pay attention in the next few months. We will be tracking it along the way 
And thanks a lot to Niche Website Builders. Let's get back to the show. Just to talk a little bit more about the outreach and link building, you could just do you know general outreach for your service. You could email a bunch of websites that might accept guest posts or that might add a link to a specific website for free. Hopefully it's you know relevant topic topically, so it makes sense to link to it. And there are so many companies doing this right now. They've been around this type of business has been around for a really long time. It's a safe bet that it's going to be around for a long time in the future. So one idea of combining these two things together is basically landing guest posts for sites and then link to other blogs that are owned by someone else in the network and their specific network or, or friends. So when I say network, I mean like they're friends. It ends up being kind of like a three-way link exchange, if you could imagine that. So I'll try to explain this here just in case people are brand new to the idea. A blogger maybe hires a writer, an outreach assistant to find a guest post opportunity and then write that guest post. The guest post would point to blog A, right? So that's the person that hired the the outreach person. And then the guest post writer would link to blog B as well. And in exchange, blog B would link to blog A, which is owned by the person that hired the guest poster. So everyone gets links on topically relevant blogs. And typically these are pretty pretty good links. So I know this is working really well in the internet marketing industry. And some of the writers are very good at writing marketing content and networking. Maybe they've attended conferences and they have personal relationships with many different bloggers. And it it turns out a lot of us know our peers. So I know other podcasters, bloggers, and YouTubers just because I'm in the industry. And if you if you do build these relationships, you can hook your sort of friends up, your network up with some good links occasionally. And like I said, it can work out really well in the internet marketing industry. I have seen these guest post writers earn not only a lot of money, but they're landing awesome links on fantastic websites. Next up, kind of switching topics, is just running niche sites. So this might be good for someone with the skills to run a site, but maybe they lack the capital or resources to start one on their own. Some of the niche site equity firms end up running sites. So they maybe purchase a site, and then they have a small team where they can go through their checklist. They could run through their system of optimizing sites and tweaking it to earn more money or get more traffic or whatever. So I would say you could potentially audit a site, put together a project plan and implement the plan. Or you could hire the team for the client if they wanted to manage the team themselves. Or you could refer the client to a good agency or white label the services to execute and implement the plan. 
working with a you know specific company that you trust. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of companies that just do white label service, and they'll just you know send you the documents that are unbranded, the reports that are unbranded. And this is something, you know, I, I I'm surprised there's not more of this out there, but it's kind of a it's a funny scenario. I occasionally get emails. This is not too often, but I occasionally get emails where people want me to run their site. They want me to come in, execute my you know my system, set up the teams, and just partner with them. The thing is, as I mentioned before, number one, I'm lazy. <laughs> number two, I. I'm I'm not as motivated as I used to be. I'm I'm taking a little break, you know, starting so many new things. I tend to run around and take on too many projects and I'm I I literally am trying to take on fewer projects just to have a little little slack in the system here. So if you do have the skills, there's a good chance you're already running your own site. However, There are some people that do have the skills. Maybe they've just sold a site, although that could be a bad example. But some people do have the skills to run a site, but they they don't have a site to run, right? They don't their skills are bigger than whatever it is they're working on. And they actually could run a much larger site, work on bigger projects. And it's interesting. I don't know how to connect the people that need help running sites with the people that have the skills and it's a weird, you know, chicken versus egg situation. I have the skills to do those things and other, you know, site owners would have the skills to do them, but it's really, you know, it's, it's tough to find someone who has the skills who is not already doing their own thing. They're out there. And and I'm sure there's some scenarios where someone, someone knows that, there's that opportunity out there and they, they end up finding each other. I've, I've heard it occasionally. I think what ends up happening a lot of times is someone sends a pitch to, you know, a larger established um, person, maybe with a few sites or something like that. And they're like, I know how to do a few of these things, but not everything. I'd love to come and work for you. And then they they learn even more. So that's like the most common scenario that I would see. And potentially that person who, as a paid, we'll just call it an intern, like a paid intern, learned even more skills under the supervision of an experienced person. Maybe that person could move on and and run some sites for maybe one of the equity firms, for example. So I don't know how how this one works exactly, but I think there are people that are buying sites that have no clue what they're doing at all. They potentially had had a successful career or have a successful career. So they just buy a site, kind of skip the learning process, and then they're, you know, they're running a site that is successful and potentially can make some mistakes. Now, next idea is kind of similar, but potentially setting up systems and standard operating procedures, SOPs for a company. So this is actually a lot of what I did with my consulting gig, or at least some some of the early lessons that we learn in management consulting. 
That's the Bobs from Office Space, by the way. Those are those are the kind of consulting that I used to do. So you could show up at a company that is maybe growing. Maybe they maybe there was like one or two people running the company and doing all the work. And now they're growing. Now they're hiring a lot of people and they're they're losing control. They're losing control of their day. They don't have processes set up. So you could show up map out workflows. You can look at the systems that are in place. You can create templates so people don't have to recreate the wheel all the time. You can optimize the workflows and identify ways to maybe add resources to get rid of maybe a bottleneck or some specific issue. It's hard if someone's running a business to take a step back and look at the workflow and see if they're doing anything dumb. See if there's any sort of major mistake that they're making. And they just didn't even know that it was an issue. Maybe it wasn't an issue until they started growing. But if you have those skills to set up systems and and document sort of the current state of what is going on and identify where it could be, that is so valuable. You could increase the output of the team by a significant amount by getting rid of a bottleneck or a poor system. Maybe it's a sort of the handoff between the writer and the editor and the graphic designer. Maybe there's some some poor systems in place there. And if you just made it a little more streamlined and you're a little bit smarter about how things are running you could do a lot more work and you know cut the delivery time and it's a very clear value proposition as well i have a couple more to go here that are less related to online business and kind of affiliate marketing and content websites before i do hit those last ones i want to give a plug to my other podcast the mile high fi podcast we talk about financial independence and personal finance and some random topics. We are having a great time. My co-host and I, uh, Carl Jensen over at 1500days.com, we're having a blast. We've been interviewing some pretty high profile people in the financial independence community, all thanks to Carl being a esteemed member of that community for several years. So he just knows a lot of people and it's been pretty amazing having, you know, some of those folks on the show, uh, coming down to the basement here where I'm recording this episode right now. So we recently published an episode with uh, Mr. Money Mustache and he was eating Popeye's popcorn chicken, like the little nuggets with hot sauces. We were doing a little spoof on hot ones. And instead of asking Pete all the same kind of financial independence questions, we ate some hot sauces because he likes them and I like them too. And uh, we we just kind of goofed around and had a nice time. So it's a, <laughs> we, we try to ask some more relevant questions most of the time, but that, that was just a cool one. And then earlier we recorded a podcast with Brandon from The Mad Scientist, which is one of the original financial independence blogs and podcasts. 
maybe not the very original, but he, he was maybe like the second wave or something like that. But he's really, he's a awesome dude, super cool to hang out with. And again, just, you know, Carl has known Brandon for several years, but it's been, it's been really cool kind of hooking up with the community and being able to talk to some of these folks. So check out the Mile High Five podcast. It's over on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Okay. So let's talk about some of these others. Now, I think a very cool opportunity, especially if you have digital marketing skills just in general, which can span a, a wide variety of different things that you can do. But you can take these services where our proven market ideas, our marketing ideas and tactics, and, and take them to other industries. These could be sort of blue collar industries or other service jobs in general that are kind of offline. So you could organize and put some systems in place for some blue collar jobs. And, you know, one quick example, I don't know how this would apply to everyone ac across the world, but here in Colorado, the housing market is bananas. I know it's like that in a lot of places in, in the U.S. anyway. And one of the impacts is people are renovating their homes since buying a new home can be really hard to do with a low supply. So I'm hearing that it's very difficult to get skilled tradespeople, other sort of you know plumbers, electricians, uh, you know light construction, a handyman. It's hard to even get them to call you back, and this could span to landscaping and construction in general. And I assume if someone was able to put some systems in place, there may be an opportunity. Now, it could be a little bit difficult if, I mean, if everyone's tapped out, if these companies like cannot do any more work, that could be a little bit of an issue, but even doing the trade, health, that might be the, the right move. So quick, quick example, I put the garage floor epoxy in myself. I like painted, painted the floor. If you don't know what that is, it's like the garages that have the, um, Basically, it's, it's paint, but it's, it's epoxy. It's a very high quality, very tough material. And it took me, you know, maybe a few hours over two days. The materials were like 500 or 550 or so. And my neighbor, he paid about 3,500 bucks to have his done with lower quality materials. They, they were still name brand or whatever, but I went with the higher grade materials because I was like, ah, I don't want to do this again. <laughs> so I'm going to get the highest, highest quality I can get over at Lowe's or Home Depot's or whatever. So I, I've never done that before. I am not skilled in that area. I haven't painted since I you know, bought my first house in 20, 2005, right? So I usually don't do anything like that. And I figured out how to do it. Like I said, it took me a few hours, probably I would say six hours total over two days. And if you could go out and charge $3,500, I would say $1,500 a day is a pretty good deal. I would maybe just do one a week, something like that. 
The thing is, my father-in-law was so impressed with the job that I did on the epoxy floor. How hard is it to impress your father-in-law too? So he keeps asking me to fly back out to Atlanta to paint their garage floor. So you potentially, especially if you're just like, I got some time, I want to do a side hustle. It is hard to get people to, to come out and do some work, to even return your phone call. So when we were trying to get our uh, landscaping done in the backyard here, it, I mean, we had one company call us back out of like six that we tried to approach. And that was almost two years ago. So there's definitely an opportunity if you're out, you know, willing to do some work yourself. And potentially the thing is you could grow it from there. So if you show up on time, you do a good job, people will tell their friends, People will ask you or ask the clients where they had the work done, if it was good to work with you or not. And you potentially could hire other people and build a little team of people that install garage floor epoxy or paint it on. Epoxy it. I think that's a verb. So those are some ideas. And I think, you know, part of the magic here is, like I said, combining these ideas a little bit. If you maybe have some skills to hire people, you may be able to set up some sort of an agency that that helps people do things. Online is great. I mean, you could set up a team in Upwork and have managers so you can focus on sales personally. You probably can hire salespeople. Also, we just mentioned a few here, of course, but you could take some of these ideas to other areas where they're not exposed to these. And I'll give one other quick example. I remember, uh, I think it was plumbing. We'll just use plumbing for this example. A group of uh, plumbers had an online summit. And if you have been around the internet marketing industry for a little while, online summits used to be very popular. There was like another online summit like every month or something like that. And there there would be all these guests, you'd get free stuff and blah, blah, blah. So these online summits were really popular and they've kind of been overdone. Like I basically, if someone invites me to an online summit, I'm probably not going to do it. I'm probably going to tell them no these days just because, you know, for me to be one of the speakers, it's not very valuable. It takes time and it basically does nothing for me. And the attendees may or may not get something out of it. In the plumbing industry, and I heard this this, uh, story, basically they were like, this is great. We had an online summit. There were webinars and it was all on Zoom and it was fantastic. They had never had an online summit. They probably had their own in-person conventions. That's what I suspect. And then COVID came around and it made that you know not possible for a little while. And they started pulling off these online summits. They were actually able to not only, you know, have the summit for, uh, you know, potentially a cost, right? If it was replacing a convention, people maybe would pay for it. But even if they made it free, they could package it up just like the marketers do. They could package it up and say, oh, you know what? If you watch it live over the three-day online summit, it's all free. You can watch it live. You could participate in the chat, all that kind of shit. 
And if you don't watch it live, you can buy the video package and watch it on demand whenever you want because you weren't able to check it out live. And maybe they sell it for a hundred bucks or a few hundred dollars or whatever the value is. And it ended up being you know, a great resource, uh, a great way to make money just in general. And if you are, if you're in this audience, there's a good chance you've either attended an online summit or been invited to be on one and, and you actually were a speaker there. And like I said, they've been done and it's to the point where I, I will turn down all of them. I think I even got a pretty good invite where there were going to be pretty, I think, pretty good speakers, pretty sought after speakers that I'd heard of and followed for years. And I told them now, I was like, ah, I get pitches for these all the time. I'm out. I, I don't want to do another online summit. The reason why, just between you and I, they, they always want you to send out emails and market it. They're like, share it, do all this stuff. It's like, fuck, you want me to create the material for your online summit and then you want me to fucking sell it for you? No way, that's crazy. Sell it yourself. What do I get out of this? Now I'm, I'm being selfish. In the beginning, I was just thrilled to be invited, you know? But in my old age, I'm lazy, I'm unmotivated, I'm all crotchety, People ask me to do a favor for them. I'm like, no way, get off my lawn. So anyway, it's not it's not that bad. I, I help people out for sure. And I think just the online summit comes off. It comes off bad when people are like, hey, can you s- send out all these emails? Don't worry, I, I wrote everything for you. It's like, yeah, sure you did, bud. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause here. It'll be a weird end note so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause and then we'll wrap it up in just a moment. I'll leave you with a quick book recommendation. It's 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Berkman. I found this book from the Tim Ferriss podcast. I don't listen to Tim's show as much. I probably only listen to one or two episodes per quarter, just if the title catches my eye or if I know the guest and I'm really interested. So this one caught my eye and the specific you know episode on the Tim Ferriss show was a chapter from the book. And it really, you know, got my attention. This book is, I think it's really about happiness and realizing that you have to prioritize things. And it's not really about prioritizing things as much as deprioritizing most everything else, everything else. So it is about time management in some aspect, but for me, like letting go of many things, like really helped my happiness in general, because uh, really you could stop stressing about most things, which is fuck. That's so much easier to say than to actually do. But this book will hopefully help you get some perspective. I believe it was released back in like August of 2021. So, you know, during the pandemic time period, maybe just after some quarantining for many people. I know across the world, the rules and such and and how people are treating, 
their uh, you know quarantine period or how much they're going going out is is much different. So the point is there is some references. There are references to the pandemic and just how that helped people realize like, oh, I want to spend time with my family a little bit more. And oh, I don't have to sit in traffic. I could actually do my job from home. And the whole company knows now because we all had to work from home for so long. So this one's definitely worth taking a look at. I had an audible credit. So I just, I grabbed the audio book and I think I'm on, I'm honestly on my third listen and I actually need to start it again so I can sit down and take notes on it because Carl and I are going to most likely do an episode for Mile High Fi. We, we definitely are. I, I gifted him the audio book. So we're definitely doing an episode and Carl's checking it out now. But the interesting thing is I, I liked it so much. I was like, I'm going to order the print book. I'll get the hardcover or whatever they have, you know? So I went to Amazon to check. They are out of stock for the hardcover. And it looks like, yeah, I'm not sure when they're going to get those back in. And then the paperback, I am not sure if you can get that very easily too. Uh, maybe you can get the paperback. Maybe they they printed it quickly. But the, the point is, Tim Ferriss talked about it and a lot of people were like, oh man, this is great. Or maybe it was sold out before that. But the point is you can get the audio book. They got the Kindle version, um, of course. And those are a little bit cheaper than either of the hard, hard copies out there. But for books that I really enjoy, I will almost always buy the hardcover or the uh, paperback just to have a physical copy and especially a book like that where I'm thinking, Hey, I'm going to probably talk about this book more and more. I would love to just be able to flip through the pages and, and get to things a little bit more quickly than on my Kindle. Of course, it's much harder to f- go through that kind of material if you are listening to the audio book, but check it out. If you haven't, it'll certainly make you have a different perspective on things. You know, it may not impact your life in the same way as it did for me. And actually, you know, thinking about it, I, I had a lot of these thoughts. I had a lot of these conclusions, but I didn't have uh, the sort of the reasoning behind it or some of the stories that Oliver mentions. And I think it's, I think it's great. I actually picked up his, his other book, because I enjoyed the 4,000 weeks so much. The the first one is called The Antidote. And the subtitle for that one is Happiness for People Who Can't Stand Positive Thinking. And I think that came out in like 2012 or something like that. So I saw it on, on Audible as well. And I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I like this dude. I'll get his other book and see what it's all about. But have a great day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode.